Ephesians 6, starting again with verse 18, the Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychius, a beloved brother and a faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye may know our affairs, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Heavenly Father, again we do thank you. For the privilege to be in your house, Father, again, we thank you for allowing us to gather together for that freedom and those who fight for that freedom for us, dear God. Uh, once again, as we gather, though, Lord, we ask that you'd come and meet with us. We can do nothing without you, and Lord, we can do only things through your grace and your strength. Please, dear God, touch every heart. Help us as we stand to preach your word, Lord God. Encourage those who are discouraged. Strengthen those in the walk as they, as they go on living for you, Lord God, and save the lost tonight. In everything, be honored and glorified, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come here again dealing with this subject, the attitude of defense here, Paul's attitude towards devoted labor there. He is talking about that spiritual warfare that is taking place there. Again, coming in, the book of Ephesians, it opens and it is full. It is a very rich book there that talks about what we have, our standing as Christians, how we're seated in the heavenlies with God. All of these things are truths in that book there, but he comes to the fact and closes out with that great scripture on spiritual warfare. He tells us how to be prepared for what will come against us when we stand there. Though we are Christians, though we are saved, though there is a day we will be glorified, there is a time now that will be tested. There is a time now uh, that Satan will do his best to derail the work of Christ there, to hinder that work there. Again, if you are saved, thank God tonight, he can't take your soul, but he can certainly take your testimony. He can ruin your testimony and make you ineffective for the cause of Christ. He can take your peace and take your joy, and he can take your power in Christ there, friends. When you don't don't have peace and you don't have power in God, you can't tell anybody else about the peace of God there. And if He can't take you, He'll do His best to take those who are around you. But God gives us the ability. God gives us the, uh, the equipment as we see here, to be able to arm ourselves as we looked at this morning, and we talked about it last week, verses 13 down through verse 17, that armor, uh, it speaks there when he's talking about that armor there, he's speaking of the infantry there, those who are on the ground fighting in the heat of the battle, those who are there in the midst of that spiritual struggle there, and he talks about how we can be protected from all angles there, the armor that covers the entire body from head to toe there, uh, covers us all the way around, that shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked, he gives us the ability to stand in that battle, but as we come here and look again at verse 18, uh, down through the remainder of the chapter there, we talk about that other aspect of spiritual warfare and that aspect is intelligence again you know no army goes against another without have first, uh, having first done that recon there, learning as much as they can about their enemy there, learning the strengths and the weaknesses, learning how to exploit and how to win against that enemy. And he talks about that intelligence here, that battle, uh, being uh, well prepared there, uh, familiarized with that enemy, being able to strategize when you go in so you can attack and do it purposely. And when he does that there, he talked about this morning as we looked at verse 18, uh, the absolute necessity, the fact that it was vital for communication. Could you imagine a soldier going into battle, even a handful of soldiers going into battle, 
and having absolutely no ability to communicate those that are help uh, communicate with those that are helping on their behalf they would be blind to the uh, to the enemy around them they'd have no eyes around them they'd have no protection no warning they would be sitting ducks as they stood there and it would be very dangerous for them to go in friends that communication being able to use that radio uh, as I talked about today they have the, the drones that go in and they can see uh, what lies ahead before they go into enemy territory all those things make it much safer make the, uh, the victory much more assured there when they're able to go in and fight like that. Friends, our communication today comes from being connected with that Holy Spirit, being able to talk to God, to be in a place of constant prayer there. That word praying always, again, as we talked about, does not mean that every second of the day that you are praying. That's not logical. Uh, that, uh, common sense tells us we can't do that. But it is talking about being in a place where we can pray at any time. Where there is nothing that hinders us from coming into God there. Now if we're saved, thank God, we will always be saved. Amen. But if there is unconfessed sin in our life, if there is something we know that is between us and God, it hinders that prayer life. It hinders that fellowship there. It breaks that fellowship. Those salvation, that relationship can never be terminated, can never be broken. When there's unconfessed sin, there's a hindrance between that relationship there, uh, between that fellowship, and we don't have the power, we don't have uh, the, the ability to do what we should be able to do through Christ there. We've got to keep that clean and, and, and confess uh, that short account with God there. As the songwriter says, nothing between my soul and the Savior. There's got to be that closeness between us and God, that communication, how very vital it is there. But I want you to notice two things tonight, and we'll finish out with this. I want you to notice not only the communication, but secondly, we see the cooperation that's being talked about in verses 19 and verse number 20 there. Paul talks about in that cooper, uh, the cooperation in verse 19, he talks about a prayer for Paul's burden there, for his burden. He says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly and to make known the mystery of the gospel. I look here and I see a tremendous humility from this man Paul here. The Apostle Paul, no doubt one of the most brilliant Bible scholars ever. No doubt one of the most anointed men that has ever been used there, that God has ever used there. He's the only one that we study, the only apostle given the doctrine of the church there. All the other apostles dealt mainly uh, with the Jews there. Paul is set to be that apostle of the Gentiles there. A tremendous task at hand there. A tremendous work there. A tremendous suffering that he went through. And yet in great humility, even in this position, he says, and pray for me there. He asked them that they would pray that God would protect him and watch over him there. Friends, what a tremendous example. If Paul needed folks to pray for him, if Paul earnestly asked for folks to pray for him, how much more so do you and I on a daily basis? That prayer there, he said, and for me also there, he asked that they pray for his capability. Look at uh, verse 19 there. That utterance may be given unto me. The word utterance there, what it refers to is the um, empowerment and the help from God there. What he is saying is that God would literally give him the words that he needed to speak. That those words there would carry out, friends. Uh, you've heard me say this a million times before. I can preach till I'm blue in the face and I can't save a single person. It has to be God that is in that thing. It has to be the Holy Spirit. I have to be surrendered to His will. Otherwise, I am absolutely worthless when I stand up here. Paul talked about uh, sounding brass there and tinkling cymbals. Uh, things that, that make noise there that are unrecognizable. It was useless there. When you think about uh, that sound there, that clear sound that a trumpet made, uh, the fact that a trumpet there was used to declare many things. It was used to declare war. 
They'd hear a certain sound of that trumpet and those soldiers knew that it was time to gather together for war. It was used to, uh, to uh, declare a time of worship. When they would come there, they'd hear another sound. They knew that it was time to gather into the temple and to come together and worship. Uh, when they heard another sound, they knew it would be for victory. Uh, they knew when they heard a, a fourth sound there, they knew it would be for moving on there. Friends, when they heard that certain trumpet blast, they knew it was time to assemble and to move on out there. Friends, we and I are waiting to hear that same trumpet blast tonight when God says it's time to move on out of this world there. But it's got to be clear tonight. He said that I may have utterance there, that I could have the right words to speak and the right spirit in which to speak and that God would give me that power there. Friends, He prayed for that capability tonight. He said that God would give me what I need. Otherwise, I can't do a thing. Amen. What a tremendous attitude to think about. I think of, of folks that have come down through the lines of the, the false prophets, the Jim Bakers and all those that stand up and have perverted the gospel yeah. and have used it for money and used it for fame and used it for fortune. And how they always put the spotlight on themselves and they talk about the power they have and the ability they have and the gifts they have. Friends, Paul said, I can't do a single thing if Christ isn't in it. What a tremendous testimony. The writer of almost half of the New Testament books there, almost half of them are authored by this man Paul and he said, I can't even speak the right words if God isn't in it. What a tremendous attitude we think there. Not only did he pray for capability, but he prayed for courage there. Uh, going on, he said, uh, that I may open my mouth boldly. The Apostle Paul there, as this book is being written, as, a, as the epistle of Ephesians is written, he is in Roman bondage. He is literally chained between Roman guards as this is being written right there. And he is speaking there in those bonds. And he said that boldness may be given unto me. Friends, even in a place of imprisonment, Paul was used and Paul was placed in front of uh, uh, great men of, of high esteem there, powerful officials. We read in Acts chapter number 24 there and verse number 25. The Bible says there, and as he reasoned with of, of judgment and temperance, and, uh, excuse me, of righteousness and temperance and judgment, uh, excuse me, to come, Felix trembled and answered, Get the, uh, Go thy way for this time, for when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Friends, he stood before this governor, Felix. And he preached that he sugarcoated nothing, he watered down nothing, but he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and the judgment, the judgment of God that was to come so much so that it struck fear into the heart of this governor that he literally trembled with fear there. Friends, Felix knew he wasn't right with God. Felix knew the judgment of God was going to come. Paul preached with such conviction and such power there that he couldn't deny the fact that it was real and he stood there, friends, in that uh, great courage. Friends, that's what we need today. We need more preachers and we need more witnesses that will go out to the highways and hedges and not apologize for what this Bible says, but proclaim that bloodstained banner. It's still the blood of Jesus Christ. It's still that shed blood that, that saves their friends. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. It's still Jesus Christ that's the only way to heaven. John 14 and verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Muhammad can't do it. Allah can't do it. Buddha can't do it. Works can't do it. It is Christ and Christ alone and that still needs to be preached today. Amen. We've got many going to hell because there's cowards standing behind the pulpit that will not preach what that Bible says. We are not here to please people. We're here to preach the Gospel and to please God there. Friends, he prayed for courage. He said that I may speak boldly. Not only courage, but he said character also. In verse number 20, he goes on, he says, as, as I ought to speak there. What he meant by that is that it would be acceptable in the sight of God. 
more than anything, whether you are, whatever capacity you serve, and if you are a Christian, your desire should be that whatever ministry God has given you, that it is acceptable in the sight of the Lord. It does not matter. It is not our responsibility how man receives it or doesn't receive it. That response is not up to us. We can't control that. What we can control is whether or not how we serve is pleasing unto God. And as I've said many times before, there is a great difference between a job and a ministry. When it's a ministry, we are doing it for the glory of God. And if it is scrubbing a floor, if it is vacuuming, if it is holding a door open, if it is going out and witnessing to those uh, that nobody else wants to witness to, if it is taking out a trash can, friends, that, that may seem like something that is beneath someone. But when we're doing it for the glory of God, it brings honor to God. Amen. And as I've said before, if someone in this church is too good for a mop, you're not good enough for a position. That's a place that we are to be servants for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's character in it. When we come there and we serve Him and we do it with all our heart there, that honors God tonight. That's what Paul was saying there. He's in bonds. He said that I, uh, that, that I speak as if I ought to. That, that The words that I say that they would be glorifying to God. What a tremendous testimony here as he is praying this prayer. As he is writing this letter, as he is being inspired and guided by this letter here, sitting in bonds. He is not pleading for his release. He is pleading for the glorification of Jesus Christ. That's an amazing testimony there. Not only the prayer for Paul's burden, but the prayer for Paul's boldness and the prayer for Paul's bonds in verse number 20. He says there, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak there. Again, when we see him praying for this bond, he was currently, as he was writing this letter, he was chained in Roman prisons. He was sitting in a Roman prison, chained between soldiers there, and he did not know whether or not he was going to be released or he was going to die at this time. And yet he is not, again, he is not pleading for his life. He's not, he is not looking for any angle. Uh, we read in the book of Acts there that many times the Roman governors, the Roman officials would call him hoping that he would give them a bribe. Hoping that he would pay his way and they could look the other way and let him out of the jail cell. Friends, he never one time took that opportunity. But every time he came before them, he preached to them about God's grace and about God's love there. And he preached to them, he, friends, he wasn't worried about it. He said, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ there. He said, these bonds don't mean a thing to me. These physical chains don't mean a thing to me. I'm already a servant of Christ. My life is His. Whether He wants to give me another day or take me home, it doesn't matter. I just want to serve Him. What an amazing attitude tonight. Friends, i tell you one of the most discouraging things that, is, that, that we look at and we see about the New Testament church today, the church in today's time, is that it has become, Christianity has become nothing more than convenience. You look at most people in this Bible, I'll read it if I feel like it. I'll pray if I feel like it. I'll come to church if I feel like it. I'll give if I have a... It, it, it's, so, it, it's all based on convenience. But so many times, our convenient, God doesn't fit into that convenient life. And we end, on, we end up programming Him on out of this thing. And we give Him our leftovers. And the only time we come to Him is when it's a, a, like a genie in a bottle when we need something. We come to the wishing well and we say, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, and I need it now. What a, what a sad testimony that is. The very word Lord means that He's supreme in power and in knowledge and in ability and He deserves every bit of our praise and every bit of our adoration. He deserves everything we have that we can give Him. Amen. Paul said, I'm not worried 
about the exchange. He said, I'm an ambassador in bonds. John Wesley said this. He said, the ambassadors of men usually appear in great pomp. He said, how differently do the ambassadors of Christ appear? You think about someone that is ambassador for this world. They are usually very wealthy. They are usually very protected. They usually ride around in great luxury. But the ambassador for Christ, friends, our reward is not on this side of heaven. Our riches are not on this side of heaven. Many of the greatest Christians that I know, when it comes to materially speaking, they don't have anything this world holds as as, uh, success or power. They don't have anything that, the, that this world would look at and say, wow, they've, they've, they've done it, they've achieved it. They have nothing to give there. But boy, their name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. I think about, I read a story, a great missionary. I think about he had served over in South America, I believe it was about 40 years. And had come back. And when he had come back, he had taken that flight back. And him and his wife had come there. And they, they come and they uh, walk down that tunnel. And they come into the airport and there is signs, and, and uh, there's people standing there with welcome home signs, and they're cheering on others that have come in, and nobody came to meet these missionaries. Forty years, they served on the field, and it, it got all over him. It bothered him. He was tore up about it. And he, he got to complaining to his wife, and, and saying, you know, we've, we've been faithful, we've served, and it seems like we've done it for nothing. She said, honey, she said, I'm going to bed. You spend some time with God tonight, and you find out what's going on and get this thing right. And he went and he, he said he uh, stayed in prayer long into the night hours and he fell asleep. And when he woke up, he was in a completely different mood there. And his wife said, honey, what happened? He said, I got to praying like you told me, like you, like you, you said I should. He said, and I got to talking to God. She said, what did he say? He said, he reminded me I wasn't home yet. He said, my, my parade's waiting on the other side. My reward's on the other side. Friends, that's not what this world preaches today. This world preaches that name it and claim it doctrine that if you're right with God, you'll be healthy, you'll be wealthy, you'll have all those things. But friends, our rewards aren't on this side of heaven and I thank God for that because everything on this side stays here. But those rewards that God has are eternal. And thank God one day we'll be like, Paul said, I'm an ambassador in bonds. He said, I'm an ambassador for Christ. And he asked simple prayer there. He asked prayer for his burden. And he asked prayer for those bonds that God would use him even in the midst of those very things. What a tremendous thing to think about. That even in the midst of being chained. But God used Paul in such an awesome way there. Not only did he pray. And talk about how vital communication was. And cooperation was. But he also last of all talked about how vital that comfort was. In verse 21 through 24 there. He talked about encouragement. In verses 21 and 22 there. It says, But that ye may also know my affairs, and how I do, Tychius, a beloved brother and a faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known unto you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs, and that ye might comfort your hearts there. Uh, you think about something, that, that encouragement. Could you imagine, that, I imagine as a soldier, someone that is out in the midst of a battle, that is fighting, that is raging on, that at any time their life is in danger, I imagine the greatest encouragement would be to receive news that that battle is being won and it will shortly be over. That it won't be long till the enemy is laying down their arms in surrender. And one day that battle, very soon that battle will be over and safety will be brought in. Friends, how encouraging it should be to us. That we know that even in the midst of spiritual warfare in the times that we have to face there, this battle soon will be over. 
God will call and sound that trumpet there and we'll be on the winning side. We'll be leaving out in this thing. And God will be bringing us out of any danger and bringing us into His presence there. How encouraging it is to know that if you're saved tonight, you've got a guaranteed home in heaven there that can't be taken away from you. That one day that enemy is going to have to lay down his arms in surrender. Even Satan himself, the Bible says in Philippians 2, 9-11, that God has given him a name uh, which is highly exalted, that the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to, uh, to the glory of God the Father. Even Satan himself one day will have to bow and surrender and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Friends, that's victory today. That ought to encourage our hearts. Paul said, I send them unto you that you can know our affairs and that we might be able to comfort your hearts there. Friends, I can imagine Titius coming and saying, has Paul been released? No, he hadn't been released. Well, what's going on? Friends, he's still preaching the gospel. He's been, he's been given access into the governors. He's gone into the very governors of Rome. They're the, uh, the ones that were in power at that time. He's gone in and he's told them all about Jesus. I can only imagine how much that empowers and encourages their heart there to realize I'm going to keep on going and keep on serving. That What an amazing encouragement that would have been. Not only an encouragement, but last of all tonight. As we look here, we see the encouragement, but we see also an exhortation in verses 23. And 24 there. He said, Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen there. He talks about that peace. Friends, that was a, a common Hebrew greeting there is the word shalom. And what it literally means is God's uh, fullness of peace. God's full peace not only in reconciliation. The fact that we are saved and we have a relationship with Him. But in that inner calm that is felt there. And also in fellowship. Oh friends, that that, uh, peace, as the Bible says, that passeth all understanding. That peace that is there even in spite of the trials. That peace that is there even in spite of of the Roman bonds. It's the same peace as we read this morning in Acts 12 that had Peter asleep. In between two souls. Friends, he was, he was scheduled to die the next day. They were going to take his head off just like they did James. They were ready to kill him that next day. And he was asleep in between those two soldiers. Could you imagine that? If you knew that you were going to be executed for unfair crimes, if you knew your life was going to end tomorrow by the hands of people that hated you, I can almost guarantee we wouldn't be sleeping peacefully. But there he was asleep in the middle of that thing. He had a peace that passeth all understanding. When Paul was getting ready to go back to Jerusalem and the prophet came and bound his hands, he said, the man who owns this girdle, this belt, will be bound the same way in Jerusalem. Paul said, I'm not, I'm not willing only to be bound. I'm, I'm ready to die. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's peace tonight. Amen. When you come there and you know That whether God allows you another day or takes you home tonight, if tonight were your last night and you're saved, when you have that peace that you uh, take your last breath here and you're first in eternal glory, friends, that's something that's to be celebrated tonight. That's a peace that only God can give. That you look and you say, you know what, my bank account isn't right. My health isn't right. This and that isn't right. But I know that God is going to take care of every bit of it. Friends, that's peace 
that only God can give. And it passes all understanding. Not only was it an exhortation for peace, but he talked about love. That love there is the word agape there again. It is the divine love gift in all that it imparts there. And it is being poured out from the very one who is love himself. Think about that for just a minute. That divine love in every aspect of it, in every part of love there. Truth, mercy, grace, all those things that are incorporated, the fruits of the Spirit incorporated in that love being given from the very one who is love himself. You hear about the world, and friends, the world has one of the most perverted senses of what love is. And in the Greek there, it's the word eros, A-R-O-S. It speaks of sensualism. It's nothing more than fleshly desire and fleshly contentment. But you think about what this world portrays as love today. Yeah. It is nothing more than a fulfillment of the lust of the flesh. Right. You look today and, and the relationships that are given, those things that are promoted, there is no, uh, th- there's no depth to it. There's no, uh, th- there's no spirituality to it, friends. There's no understanding of the blessings that God has given for that. It is nothing more than a worthless physical lust that will never satisfy. Amen. It is like any other sin. It will only leave you wanting more. Solomon is a great example of that. But when we talk about the love of God, that love that God gives to His children, it is a fullness of love. It is a, it is a divine love that allows us to witness to our enemies. It is a divine love that allows us to forgive those who have wronged us. It is a divine love who allows us to recognize the Lord Jesus Christ in all of His glory and to bow down and worship before Him. That is that kind of love that God is talking about. Not only the peace and the love that He's talking about, but He's talking about the faith. Friends, just as that shield of faith was able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, this faith that is being talked about is what safeguards that peace and love there. That faith, when we have faith in God, that He will never leave us nor forsake us. When the storms of life come and that love is tested, and that peace is tested. That faith is what will shelter us and keep us through it. Amen. Paul's talking about that faith there that continues to push us through there and comfort us and guide us and bless us even in the midst of what the world would give up on. Oh, friends, what an amazing grace that God gives us. Not only do we see the peace and the love and the faith, but last of all tonight, we see the grace that is being talked about. That exhortation for grace in verse number 24. It says, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. The word grace there simply means unmerited favor. It is God's divine favor that is given to us not because we've earned it, but because He loves us. That grace is what has saved us. That grace is what sanctifies us and sets us apart for God's service. And that grace is what will carry us through until the day of redemption. Aren't you glad tonight? that we can put on that whole armor of God, that we can be prepared against the battle, does not mean the battle will be easy. You talk to any soldier, friends, I have the utmost respect for our military and the way they put themselves in harm's way for you and I. You talk to any soldier, and they will never tell you that a battle is easy. Most soldiers won't speak on what they have to go through. And, and I, I, I can't say I understand, but I respect it, I sure do. But you think about the fact that those soldiers... When they come home in victory, what an amazing power that gives, what an amazing grace and peace that gives them there. Friends, you and I today as Christians, we have victory in Christ. Amen. We have one that has already won the battle. 
We have one that has never been defeated. That never will be defeated. We have one when we read that book of Revelation that comes and destroys every enemy and He destroys them with the power, the very, uh, that very authority of Him simply speaking those words there. We need tonight to get a hold of that kind of victory. Too many of God's people are falling by the wayside because they are not prepared for the battle. Too many of God's people are standing there. Are they still saved? Yes. But when you hear them talk, they say, I used to teach Sunday school. I used to sing in the choir. I used to drive the church van and pick people up. I used to do this. I used to... Friends, they have fallen by the wayside because they weren't prepared for the battle. We need to understand something. The enemy is real. He hates us. But God has given us grace that is sufficient to carry us through. God help us to put on that whole armor tonight. And having done all, to stand. Let's all stand tonight. Heads bowed and eyes closed.